Grab your Bibles, grab your Bibles, remain standing and turn with me to Mark chapter number three. Mark chapter number three. Man, it's good to be in a warm building, amen? Uh, I, I'm telling you, I, I was as cold as I've ever been in my life parking at, at the bottom of the parking lot walking up this morning. And I said, oh, dear Jesus, please let him come this morning. Amen. I know I'm preaching in the Baptist church. It's rough. Amen. Uh, it, is, it is good to be saved more than anything in this world. I am so glad. I am so glad that no matter what, when you're born again, you're on your way to heaven. And that cannot be disputed. Amen. Mark chapter number three uh, we stopped, we stopped last week, I believe in verse number six. Uh, so we'll start in verse number seven. If you're new today, uh, we are going through the book of Mark. Mark is a fast paced book. Uh, it is just one thing after another, after another, after another. It's kind of like when a little kid comes in to tell you something and uh, he's just going through his story and this happened and, and then this happened and, and, and then this happened. It, it's that way all through the book of Mark describing the life of Jesus Christ. You hear the word immediately a lot. You hear the word uh, thereafter and, and, and constantly, constantly going from one to the other. And, and so here we are. We find ourselves in chapter number three, verse number seven. If you're ready to study, say amen. But Jesus withdrew himself with his disciples to the sea and a great multitude from Galilee followed him, and from Judea, and from Jerusalem, from Edomia, and from beyond Jordan, and they about Tyre and Sidon, a great multitude, when they had heard what great things he did, came unto him. And he spake to his disciples that a small ship should wait on him because of the multitude, lest they should throng him. For he had healed many, insomuch that they pressed upon him for to touch him, as many as had plagues and unclean spirits, when they saw him, fell down before him and cried saying, thou art the son of God. And he straightly charged them that they should not make him known. And he goeth up into a mountain and calleth unto him whom he would. And they came unto him and he ordained 12 that they should be with him and that they might send, he might send them forth to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out devils. And Simon, he surnamed Peter, and James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, and he surnamed them Bo Boarginese, which is the sons of thunder. And Andrew, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, which also betrayed him, and they went into an house. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for, uh, Lord, a great crowd on a cold, cold day. Lord, thank you for their faithfulness and their commitment to you. Uh, thank you for their desire to learn and to grow. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'll please help us today. There's so much you want to show us. There's so much that uh, uh, you want to reveal to us. And I pray, God, that you'll do that this morning. Thank you so much for all that you've done for us. Thank you for your, 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 your forgiveness. Thank you for your patience with us. Thank you for your love toward us. Thank you for your provision for us. God, we just worship you. You are, you are our king and our Lord. 
And God, I pray that you'll honor your word. Lord, don't let me say anything I'm not supposed to, and don't let me forget anything I need to. And I pray that your perfect will be done. Help us to be submitted to your word and your will today. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Let's do just a quick review of the book of Mark leading up to these sets of verses. The the message itself is really uh, not that long today. We're going to talk about two two uh, specific things, two specific points this morning, and uh, and 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 see where we where we end up. Chapter one. Chapter one deals with, uh, and really, uh, the very first verse describes what Mark is trying to do. He says in Mark 1.1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Say that with me. The Son of God. The Son of God. He takes a, an effort, he takes a, a goal of describing, explaining, detailing, to help you believe that this man, Jesus, who was born in Bethlehem, is truly the Son of God. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And so in chapter number one, there's several things we see. We see the introduction of John the Baptist, the baptizer. Uh, We see Jesus' baptism. We see his temptation in the wilderness, his overcoming our arch enemy, Satan. Say amen right there. We see the beginning of his ministry. He begins preaching, he begins teaching, and he also uh, begins healing people and casting out demons. Uh, any sickness, any illness, any, uh, any issue that anybody had, they would come to him and he would heal them perfectly whole. What a blessing. He was, he was just banishing sicknesses and, and illnesses from the land of uh, 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 the Jews, the land of Israel. And then we come into chapter number, uh, chapter number two. He, he leaves for a short period of time. And then in chapter number two, he comes back to Capernaum, the city of Capernaum, where his headquarters was there. And we see that he was in a house. And there was so many people, they heard about it. The Bible says when it was noised abroad that he was in the house, there were so many gathered together, you couldn't even get them in the door. And so y'all know the story. We, we've covered it already. Uh, these four guys, they brought a friend of theirs to Jesus. They couldn't get in the door. They tear out the roof and they lower him down. And man, what a story that is. I wonder if home insurance covered that. <laughs> Most likely this is Peter's house because they were staying with Peter or Jesus was staying with Peter at the time. And, 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 but we, we don't know that for sure, but most likely that's where it was. But either way, Jesus looks at this man and he says, son, your sins are forgiven you. Well, the scribes and the Pharisees, now, now let me just say this. Let me just say this. This is Jesus's beginning to pick a fight. Okay. Jesus begins here to poke the bear. Now, let me say it before we go any further. Jesus came to do away and abolish Judaism. Are y'all with me? And we'll find out, Brother John, we'll find out he didn't come to help them to be better Jews. He he didn't come to help them or make a better Judaism. He came to abolish it. What he was bringing was something brand new, brand new. 
And he, he says, uh, thy sins be forgiven you. They get all bent out of shape. They get all bent out of shape. They say, who can forgive sins but God only? And Jesus was like, that's right. And he said, I could have said, uh, uh, take up your bed and walk. But I wanted you to know that the son of man hath power on earth to forgive sins. So that was the first instance where he began to reveal subtly who he truly was. He begins to, 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 to poke the bear, if you will. He heals this man. Then later on, then later on in that same chapter, we find that he, he, he asks a tax collector, Matthew, to follow him. Levi, Matthew, I want you to follow me. Matthew leaves his tax collector's booth and begins to follow Jesus. And this was scandalous. There is no way the religious crowd was incensed. The Pharisees said, how in the world could somebody who is supposed to be so holy associate himself with somebody who is such a sinner? And you ought to shout right there. You ought to be glad. You better be glad Jesus was a friend of sinners. Amen. And boy, he, he said that he had the ability to forgive sins and he proves it when he calls Matthew to follow him. It gets worse, y'all. It gets worse. Not only does he call a, a, a known publican, a hated, traitorous sinner to follow him, now Matthew goes and throws a party. He throws a feast and invites all his sinner friends and the Pharisees look and Jesus is sitting right in the middle of them. What, what a, what a, what a, can you imagine? There is nothing, there is nothing as scandalous to a self-righteous Pharisee than to see somebody love who they don't like. Amen. I want to preach on that some more, but that's not the message. Go listen to last week. Amen. Then we see, then we see after this, they begin to complain because he's supposedly breaking the Sabbath when literally all he's doing is breaking the man-made rules that they had created. And then he has the audacity. He has the audacity to say, look, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath too. Oh, man. The Sabbath was their crown jewel of legalism. It was the one thing they used to oppress people and try to control people and try to keep in a legalistic way. And Jesus said, I'm the boss of that too. Man, they got smoke coming out their ears. And then we find ourselves in chapter number three, the beginning of chapter number three. Jesus goes into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. There is a man there with a withered hand, it says, paralyzed, crippled hand. Jesus asks him to come forward. And he looks around at the Pharisees who were just sitting there. Y'all know. know. They're waiting. They're trying to catch him doing something wrong. And he puts him in a corner. He says, let me ask you a question. Is it good to heal on the Sabbath day or evil? And the Bible says they answered him not a word. And he looking upon them in anger. This is one of only a few times we find Jesus angry. 
And this word angry here, anger here, if you really look it up and study it, it's not I'm just a little mad. He was furious. He was so angry at the spiritual, self-righteous, not spiritual at all, unspiritual, self-righteous, religious crowd because they were so insensitive to a man in such pain. And he heals this man. And let me tell you what happens. Let me tell you what happens. That religious crowd decided that moment, we've got to get rid of him. And they decided that moment to have him killed. Now watch this. How, how ironic is it that they are upset and says it's not, you, it's not lawful for you to heal on the Sabbath day, but we can conspire to kill on the Sabbath day. You say, preacher, where do you learn from that? Just how wicked man's heart truly is. And, and just how blind you can be when you get caught up in legalism. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So that brings us to where we are right now. In the next couple verses, in the next couple verses, Mark takes a moment. <clears throat> Mark takes a moment and gives you a brief summary of Jesus's ministry. He gives you a brief snapshot, if you will, a little picture of what his ministry looked like. At this point, at this point, now, now keep in mind what he's done so far. He's come in, he's healed a bunch of people, he's cast out a bunch of devils, he has completely changed the lives of a bunch of people. He has started a fight with the religious crowd. He has begun to cause friction and problems with the group of people he came to fix and to destroy basically their religion and bring something brand new. Are y'all with me so far? And this is what happens. In that, that moment, his ministry explodes. It explodes. Now watch, here we are. Here we are. Verse number, verse number seven. But Jesus withdrew himself with his disciples to the sea. Why? What happens? A great multitude from Galilee followed him and from Judea, Jerusalem, Edomia, uh, beyond Jordan. That's on the other side. That's uh, 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 on, the, on the east side of the Jordan River. From they about Tyre and Sidon, a great multitude, when they heard what great things he did, came unto him. So, uh, number one, if you're taking notes, just write this down real quickly. Uh, uh, first of all, we see the summary of his ministry, and then we see his popularity. Write that down. His popularity. His ministry explodes. They begin to come from everywhere. It is not just Jewish people that are there now. It's not just uh, his own people that are being healed and being touched. They are coming from everywhere. These are Jews. These are Gentiles. Uh, these are people from all the nations around them. They have heard that there is a man who can heal any disease, and they are flocking to Christ. These are people who are desperate. These are people, this is almost in a panic, if you will. I, imagine this, imagine this. 
Can you imagine what would happen, uh, especially with cancer, because cancer is so prevalent. Can you imagine if, if, if word got out that there was a person in Coleman, Alabama, who could heal cancer by just touching them? Do y'all think we'd be able to get on the roads? Can you imagine what it would be like? Can you imagine the traffic? Can you imagine the people thronging, trying to find whoever this is that has the ability? Well, Jesus was that man. He was the one who could heal him. He was the one who could touch him. He was the one who could change him. And his popularity exploded to the point, to the point it got so bad that there were thousands and thousands and thousands of people around him at any moment, any time of the day. And he said, listen, have a boat ready. Because it had gotten so bad that they just wanted to touch him. If we could just touch him or him touch us, we could be healed. The Bible says they thronged him. In other words, it was just suffocating. It was suffocating. Now, we, we, we see his popularity uh, to the point where he's got to have a boat on the side of the shore to get in that boat to keep from getting trampled. Can y'all imagine, can y'all imagine the, the riotous looking scene this had to have been? And then something else happened. We see his power. Not only his popularity, but we see his power. He's healing every disease. It didn't matter what it was. He healed it. If that person was born without an arm, they got an arm. He didn't, he didn't just, he didn't, he didn't just heal some of it. He healed them whole, completely, perfectly, like they were never sick at all. He restored them completely. Not only that, he's, he's, he's casting out devils. But this causes a problem. I'm going somewhere, I promise. The second point is really the message, but I've got to preach these verses because that's where we're at. He's casting out devils. And well, what happens when he's casting out these devils? They're starting to testify to who he is. Isn't it amazing? His own people, his own people never recognized, but the devils did. Nobody, has, nobody has, has, has said this. Not one human being has said this. Only God said it at his baptism. And now the demons are saying, you're the son of God. Now watch what Jesus says. Shut up. Shut up. Hush. Why? There is no partnership with light and darkness. Jesus does not need nor does he want testimony from a devil. Now, that, there's a lot we can learn from that. You know, I've, I've seen a lot of people say, well, we can do this and it'll help the kingdom of God. Any partnership with the darkness is not, not kosher. None. Come out from among them, he said. Be ye separate, saith the Lord. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Not only that, there was, there was an issue that we're going to get to next week. Hopefully next week we're going to get to the end of this chapter. And we're going to find out that they begin to accuse Jesus of being demonic himself. He's just casting out devils by devils. And I'm not going to get to that, but he doesn't need, he doesn't need that to be uh, people to use that to authenticate their belief in that. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So he tells the demons to, to keep quiet. They are scared of him. They, that we, we, we learned in, in, in chapter number one, when he cast out a demon, he was afraid. He said, what do we have to do with thee? Then we see, not only we see his power, 
we see uh, uh, his popularity, but look at his, look at his person. Look at his person. Look in verse 11. And the unclean spirits, when they saw him, fell down before him and cried, saying, Thou art the Son of God. Thou art the Son of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And all God's people say it. Number two. Number two, this is really where I wanted to get to, but I needed to give you a review so you'd know where we're at. <clears throat> His popularity is exploding. He's got, he's got, you know, people thronging him to get some attention, to get a touch, a, a healing from him. And he, he pulls away from the crowd. He pulls away from the crowd. At this point, at this point, most of his ministry had been very public. Matter of fact, all of it was all public ministry. But now he's going to do something different. What's, it, what's the title of your lesson? What's the title of your lesson? Something big is about to happen. Something big is about to happen. Jesus' ministry takes a transition at this point. It goes from not just public to a private, semi-private ministry with some men that he's going to choose. Are y'all with me? Say amen. It's going to be good. You're going to like this. All right. I did anyway. You might not. You might need to be more spiritual or something. I don't. All right. Watch this now. Watch this now. Verse number 13. Verse 13. Are you there? And he goeth up, <coughs> excuse me, up into a mountain and calleth unto them whom he would. And they came unto him and he ordained 12. Very important. Very important. <coughs> 12 is not just a, okay, he just chose 12 because that's all he could find. That, it was specifically a specific number and I'll show you why. That they should be with him that he might send them forth to preach to have power to heal sicknesses, to cast out devils. Now that sounds like what he was doing. Think about that. All right, all right, let's keep reading. Simon, he surnamed Peter, James, John, uh, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, uh, Thaddeus, Simon, and Judas. So here we have the 12. First of all, Write this down. I really want to get to C. C's where the message is, but we, we, we'll, we'll just cover this till we get there, all right? A, first of all, we see the plan. Write that down. He has a plan. He has a plan. And let me tell you, before I tell you what the plan was, the plan is still the same. The plan is still the same. Now watch this. First of all, first of all, Number one, I don't know if I, I don't, I didn't give you blanks for this, did I? Okay, first, so, so number one, he did what? He chose them. First of all was to choose them. Now, uh, it doesn't say it here in Mark, but in another gospel, the Bible says that Jesus prayed all night long before he chose them. Now, what does that tell us? One, it tells us that they were not just randomly picked. 
These were the only 12 that would actually follow through with what Jesus wanted. So he picked it. No, 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 no. He prayed all night long to know who to pick, to pick the right one. Now, what does that tell us? Before we make any major decisions in our life, it would be a good thing to pray. I saw a meme. I saw a meme the other day. That it had this chicken. It had this rooster that looked like he'd come out of a blender. <clears throat> and it's like he's staggering around, doesn't have about four feathers left on him, just staggering. And it said, this is me coming out of the situation God told me not to get into. <laughs> Has anybody seen that meme? That is great. Preacher, what are you saying? That's usually what I look like when I don't pray about something. This was such an important, this was such an important event. This was such an important thing that he was doing. These were such important choices he was fixing to make that he, now this is the son of God who needed to pray all night before he made those choices. I, that, I'm, I'm, I'm emphasizing this on purpose, guys. I'm emphasizing this, one, to show us that I think we need to pray more than we do. Amen. Secondly, that these men were specifically divinely chosen by God to do what they were fixing to do. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So number one, the plan was to choose them. Come on, loud, real quick. Number one, to Number two, to train them. So what did he do? He did in front of them what he wanted them to do for him. If you notice, if you notice the list of things that they were supposed to go out and do, guess what? That's what Jesus was already doing. Are y'all with me? And this plan still exists. Say, preacher, what do you mean? Do you remember what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2? Well, actually, it's just verse 2. 2 Timothy 2, verse 2 says, That which thou hast learned of me, commit thou to faithful men that they may be able to teach others also. In other words, Timothy, what you saw me do, I want you to do. And not only do I want you to do it, I want you to teach somebody else to do it so they can teach somebody else to do it. Are y'all with me? Do you know if you're here and you're a child of God, somebody gave you the gospel, you heard the gospel, you believed the gospel, that came from the disciples. The disciples told somebody and they 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 told somebody and 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 then they told you. See, it's not changed. So what does that teach us? You need to go. Church, say amen. All right, this ain't a mess on evangelism, but let's just throw that in there right there. All right, number one, the plan was to choose them. Number two, it was to train them and he did he did he said how did he train them watch this now everybody look at me what's the best way to train be a good example he did it in front of them it, listen let, let me help your parents out with something especially you young parents if you expect your kid to do it you do it they don't do as you say they don't do as you say they do as you do. Church, say amen. So he, he, he lived it in front of him. He did it in front of him. He said, this is how to do it. Now go do it. 
So he chose them. He trained them. Then number three, he, he empowered them. That is so important. That is so important. Before he sent them, he gave them the power to do what he was sending them to do. Now, preacher, why is that important? Why is that important? How many of y'all know we got a job? How many of y'all know we got a calling? What's the calling? It's a great commission. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature, right? Go make disciples of every nation. But what did he say? What did he say right before he gave us the great commission? The very, the very, actually, it's the very first verse of the great commission. All, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. He said, I'm never going to leave you. I will always be with you. What does it say in Acts 1-8? But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses. What is witnesses? That's our calling. That's our commission. That's our job. So, so he's not going to tell you to go do something without giving you the power to get it done. Sure, say amen. So he empowered them. Then number four, he, he sent them. He sent them. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been empowered. Acts 1.8, but ye shall receive. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. If you're saved, the Holy Ghost is in you. And you need to go do what he sent you to do. Because there's generations of young people, there's generations of people that are yet to be born that need to hear about the gospel. Don't be the missing link. The disciples were faithful to do what they were called to do, and they spread the gospel. They moot, listen, and because what they did, you're sitting here hearing it today. And all God's people say it. All right, the plan. The plan. That's A, right? A, the plan. Then B, the people. Write that down, the people. Who are these? <clears throat> Who are these distinguished gentlemen? These elite individuals that, that after Jesus prayed all night long, I mean, this has got to be an incredible bunch of guys. No. You, let me tell you what they said about them in Acts. I think it's Acts chapter number four. It says, we perceive that they are ignorant and unlearned men. But you know what these ignorant and unlearned men did? They turned the world upside down. They were just, this is, this is, this ought to make everybody happy in here. Or it does me anyway. They were just 12 ordinary men. Matter of fact, they were less than ordinary. They weren't even, they weren't even good enough to be ordinary. We have fishermen. And by the way, these, the, Jesus, this is where he began his ministry in Galilee was about as far away from the, the religious establishment in Jerusalem, the religious headquarters in Jerusalem. He got as far away as he could from the religious elite, the, the religious uh, hierarchy, if you will. These were just everyday commoners. They were everyday ordinary people who had issues. Peter, he cussed a lot. Hello? James and John... 
the fishing partners, they were sons of thunder. In other words, they had an attitude all the time. You know, we always look at John as this meek and mild, the disciple of love who laid his head on the chest of Christ. You know, no, no, he had a big mouth. That's what Jesus nicknamed. You don't give a man the son of thunder without, hello. We say, well, where are you getting that from? Do y'all remember the time that there was a group of people that rejected Jesus and his disciples? And these two guys come up to Jesus and said, shall we call fire down upon them? And Jesus is like, what? You, have, you, you guys don't have a clue. I didn't come to turn them into ashes. I come to save them. Now, we can laugh, but some of y'all been calling fire down on some of y'all could have. I need a witness. So we got some fishermen with attitude problems. One is real arrogant, Peter. Then we've got, then we've got a tax collector. Oh my goodness. I mean, this was a sinner of all sinners. He was a traitor to the Jewish people. He was, he was in cahoots with the Romans. He was the most hated of the hated, a publican. How in the world could this be one? And then you have Simon the Zealot. The Canaanite, it says here, he was a zealot. You say, what was a zealot? He was a revolutionary. You see, the zealots, they would hide a dagger in their cloak. And if they found a Roman soldier off by himself, they would kill that Roman soldier. These were people who were revolutionaries that wanted to destroy the Roman army and kick the Romans out of Jerusalem. In other words, if, if it was before Jesus, how many of y'all have a, 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 a BC life? Or y'all with me before Christ? Who you was before Christ? If it was before them, if Simon would have caught Matthew in a dark alley, he'd have had a bad day. Y'all, y'all getting this? I mean, we have one that's a traitor. He's in cahoots with the Romans. We got this other one who would kill a Roman if he could find him, and he is seeing him as the worst of the worst. But Jesus picked him. Jesus picked him. And the rest we, we, we know very, very little about. Well, we do know one, uh, 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 Judas Iscariot. He was a thief. So, so when, you, when you think, anyway, anyway, I'm going to just leave that there. What do we learn from this? These men were very ordinary. There was really nothing to them. They had no, no uh, education. They were seen as ignorant and unlearned. But yet God took them and turned the world upside down. And all God's people see it. Now here's the thing I want you to see. What's the title of the lesson? Say it again. I mean, like you're alive. Can you say it like you're alive? I mean, when you say something big is about to happen, it don't need to sound like something big is about to happen. No, I mean big. There is fixing to be a huge change and transition take place. We see, we see the plan. Now, we're, 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 we're talking about the, the choosing of the disciples. Are y'all with me? 
We see the plan, B. We see the, the people. We saw them. They're just ordinary. Nothing to them. Nothing spectacular about them. Nothing special about them. It's ordinary people. How many of y'all are glad God can use ordinary people? Then number three. Number three, I want you to see the purpose. This is great. In Genesis and Exodus, if you go back to the Old Testament, if you go back to the Old Testament, you will find that God took 12 sons of Jacob. How many? 12 sons of Jacob to build a nation. To build a nation. He took 12 sons of Jacob. 12, and and by the way, if you go look at them fellas, they had issues too. But either way, he built a nation out of 12 sons of Jacob. 12 tribes of Israel. Are y'all with me? Now watch this. The Bible says this is what God said about them. Exodus 19.6. Exodus 19.6. Now, now, if you've gotten bored already, I apologize for that. But don't miss this part because this is the cool part. All right? The other was historical information that you really needed to know, and I hope it encouraged you. But if you got bored, perk up, honey. Pick, pick, just pinch yourself. It's fixing to get good right here. Look, this is what it says. This is what God told the nation of Israel and what he was going to do to them. This is... This is at Sinai, Exodus 19, 6, he says, this is what I want you to be. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an a holy nation, a kingdom of priests. Now, what was a priest? What was a priest? Everybody look at me. I'm telling you, you got to perk up right here. We're almost done. We're almost done. What was a priest? A priest was a representative of God to the people and of the people to God. Are y'all with me? And he is saying this. Now, the nation of Israel themselves, they had a group, a small group of men who were their priests, who were their representatives, who went to God for them and went to the people for God. Are y'all with me? They were their connection to God. Well, he is saying here, I want the entire nation of Israel to be a priest unto God to point to the rest of the world who the one true living God was. The one true living, now keep in mind, the whole world, the whole world in existence at that time were following false gods and idols and statues and all of these other things. And he's picked this group of people and he chose them out and he built a nation out of them so that they could turn around to all the other nations and point to the one true and living God. He gave them his word. He gave them his promises. He gave them his provisions. And he blessed them incredibly so that they could go tell everybody who he was. And guess what they did? Not that. Instead of opening their hearts and opening their minds to who God was and to everybody and was a testimony and was a witness to all the rest of the world, 
They built walls around themselves and thought that because God had chosen them that they were special and somebody and they got self-righteous and hypocritical and they kept everybody out. And you will see, you will see. You remember when I said there was one or two times that Jesus got real angry? The other time was when he cast out the people out of the, out of the temple. Matter of fact, he's, he's angry. He made a whip. You know, Jesus, meek and mild. He made a whip and drove them out. And most people that don't really know the whole story, they think it's just because they were buying and selling in the temple. They think it was about the money. They think it was about the merchandise in the temple. It had nothing to do with that. They had their, their bazaar or their flea market where they were buying and selling set up in the court of the Gentiles. And what, what happened? The Gentiles could not get to God because the Jews were crowding them out. You know what that really was? That was just a small picture of what the whole nation did. Instead of the nation being a testimony, instead of the nation being a witness to the rest of the world who the one true living God was, they were disobedient and they failed and they did not do what God's purpose for them was to do. Are y'all with me? So what's that big thing's fixing to happen? Jesus is fixing to build a new nation. Let me show you. Let me show you. I know some of y'all skeptics in here. Y'all don't believe me. Watch this here. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.19, talking about the church, the body of Christ, now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the household of God and are built upon the, what's that word? Foundation, Foundation of the apostles and prophets. Who are the, the apostles? The 12. Look what it says in Revelation 21, 14. This is the city of God, the city of heaven in Revelation. The wall of the city had 12 foundations. And in them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying they were the foundation of a new nation. 1 Peter 2, 9. See if this sounds familiar. Well, let me read Exodus first. This is what God said to Israel. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. Look what he says to the church. 1 Peter 2, 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a and an a peculiar people. Watch what you're going to do. You're supposed to do that. Ye should shine forth. Ye should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. You say, "What is the church? It's a brand new nation." The very purpose, the very goal that God had for the nation of Israel, they horribly failed. And they refused to do what he called them to do. 
So what did God do? He set them aside. And he picked 12 ordinary men with issues to build a brand new nation. What are they to do? The very thing that the nation of Israel was supposed to do. Show forth the praises of him that's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Is that not awesome? And from them, 12 men, over the centuries, God has built a nation, a holy nation. And they've been proclaiming the gospel, some better than others, but they've been proclaiming the gospel of who the one true God is year after year after year after year. And ladies and gentlemen, we need to do it till we hear the trumpet sounds. Why? You've been chosen. You've been chosen. You're a royal priesthood. You're a representative of God to all those folks out there. Are you representing? Are you fulfilling the responsibility that God has given us as a royal priesthood and a holy nation. Holy means set apart. Nothing else needs to be said, does it? And, and by the way, by the way, just for some of you in here that's a little deeper in your studies and you think God has done away and he's through with Israel, according to the Apostle Paul, he has set them aside temporarily. And one day, Jesus is going to come back. He's going to land on the Mount of Olives. He's going to walk across the Brook Kidron. He's going to walk through the, 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 the Eastern Gate. He's going to ascend the throne of his father, David, and he's going to restore the Jews and their kingdom. And the bride of Christ is going to be, who's the bride of Christ? The church. We're going to be with him forever. And all God's people say it.